Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. We're live. Welcome to the Earful of Dirt Podcast. My name is Jonathan Fredlin. Uh, joining me tonight on May the 4th Star Wars Night is Star Wars fanatic Craig Rudelli. Um, <laughs> fourth be with you all. Yeah, may the fourth be with you all. Um, hope, hope you all spent the day watching Star Wars. If you didn't work or spending the night watching Star Wars, um, Craig, how's, how's your day been, or how's, how's the week been for you as well? Always, Star Wars Day is always a magical day. Uh, but yeah, it's been good. I, before we went live, I was just telling Josh that I got Elden Ring on my PS5 and, uh, I'm sitting here dying over and over again. It's surprisingly rewarding just to be brutally killed multiple times every five <laughs> minutes. But uh, here we are. So uh, good stuff. So it uh, was real, uh, real epic day outside of the rugby world between Star Wars and Elden Ring. I got all these uh, universes in my head. Um, so always fun times for me. How's your week, Josh? Um, you know, it's been great. Um, well, I. We got our windows replaced, so that was fun. Had to clean the house. Um, uh, upcoming week, uh, I won't have to wake up early on Sunday to watch the Formula One race, so that'll be fun. Uh, I might take a shot at watching or something. What's the? Why, why don't you have to wake up early? They're in Miami this weekend. Yeah. Okay. So I thought. All right. Yeah. It's they tough. built. They built a. They built the track around the the Hard, hard Rock Stadium. So. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that's it. Uh, let's jump on into it. First up, we had the LA Guillotines defeating Rugby Atlanta thirty-one to nineteen. I mean, this one was pretty much all LA. All the games were like all of the games this week, even including the San Diego game. Even with how large that point spread was, they were all not as close as the scorelines made them seem. I mean, LA. 31 to 5 was the halftime score for them. Um, Rugby ATL finally got two tries, at, or two more tries in the second half. Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, you got tries from Matt Heaton, Billy Halu, and Alex Bond. But other than that, they were just, they got shut down. And then LA finally, I mean, they we've seen it coming, but they finally showed a little bit of that team that we saw last year. What, what else did you see with this one, Craig? Uh, I, I do think LA are playing really well. Um, if you, if you read my column this week, anyone out there, uh, it was pretty much all about LA and, and if they are now officially the team to beat once again as the reigning champs. Um, though I think they're actually, I wouldn't say they're the team of last year because I think they're doing something a little different. I mean, there, there's obviously some similarities. There's some creativity and sophistication to their attack. There's very good defense those are both consistent things but i think like last year to me they were overwhelming defenses with a menu of options on every play like there were so many potential ball carriers in motion that defense just didn't know how to handle it and they eventually and they were going so fast like goddard was recycling the ball so fast with so many options it was just blitzkrieging defenses and they couldn't handle it. I don't think they're doing that anymore. They're not doing that super fast pace. In fact, I think Atlanta is the faster playing team. Uh, what they are doing, though, is I think 
having really good tactical patience. You know, they're playing the ball, showing some different looks, kind of probing the defense to see where there's a weakness. And then they're bringing force that wherever they find a weakness. Um, but it's not that like hyperdrive speed that we saw last year. It's a more thoughtful, um, even though I think it's a little more limited, but it's like a more thoughtful uh, attack. And I think this was a great matchup because you really saw two different degrees of, of, of play where I think they were trying to do similar things where both Atlanta and LA to me were trying to attack wide. Um, they seem to both want to play in the wide channels, but the, the difference was Atlanta were doing it um, almost like heedlessly, you know, it was no matter what was on or where the defense was, what the pace of play was. It was as if they said, okay, we have to get it wide and then try to keep the ball alive. So they would just swing it wide and then, you know, you know tip off pass here, whatever, off the try, try to do whatever they could to keep it alive with no seeming direction or purpose. Um, LA, on the other hand, they were getting it wide, but they were, uh, they were at least threatening to attack those inside channels along the way. Uh, and that, you know, that made all the difference to me because when, uh, LA had the ball. Atlanta's defense had to respect those, you know, those crash ball runners and that inside attack, and that made it more difficult for them to get numbers wide. And so LA would would lock in the defense by showing something, flashing something in the inner channels, and then get the ball wide. And now they could attack in an advantageous position. Atlanta would just swing it wide. They weren't threatening in the middle at all. And I think that's you, you, there was like a very um, telling back and forth early when uh, like the first line out of the game, Atlanta ran a really nice looking set piece play where it came off the top. They swung it wide. A guy did like a looper. Yeah. He, he passed it, looped around, got the ball back himself, I think. And then, you know, it was really nice looking back line play right off the line. And they got the ball in space out wide. They thought, Oh, is this going to be a breakaway play where Atlanta score and have a huge play? And they did it because LA scrambled the scrambled well. They got their defenders out there. They made tackles in space, and Atlanta was completely shut down. As long as they get there, but the the it was like almost a dominant tackle when they finally got to that ball carrier and just stopped Atlanta momentum dead. Two minutes later, whatever it was, now LA were attacking. I think it was, I think it was off the line. Maybe it was off a scrum. I, I can't recall now. But they had the same sort of situation where they ran a nice looking play. But they showed an, an attack up the gut and then pulled back last second. That forced the Atlanta defenders to commit. They ended up now with uh, overload on the outside where John Ryberg was alone wide. And so they had a three-on-two on the outside, and then Ryberg scored the try for the first try of the game. And so that, to me, was like basically that exact thing just over and over in this game where L.A. just they, – they forced the defense to commit inside before working outside and they were effective doing it. Atlanta didn't force anyone to commit inside that let LA scramble wide every time really easily. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Atlanta was all speed and no physicality. So when they, they got met with the ball out wide in those, the channels, they seemed insistent on playing. They were just getting such physical dominant tackles. It seemed all the time that, uh, yeah, it's it's it really wears down your speed when you're getting laid out every time you touch the ball. So, um, yeah, Atlanta was just really 
well suited to what Atlanta, uh, sorry, LA was really well suited to what Atlanta were trying to do. And um, it was a good rematch of the last year's final. But if these teams meet again in the final, uh, Atlanta's going to need to do a little better job of mixing up their attacking threats if they want to you know, have a chance of, of scoring along with LA. No, I, I, I do agree. I do agree with you there. Cause I think last year, especially for Atlanta, they did, they were able to change it up so much that you like, you didn't know where they were coming from. And now it's like, all right, they're going all the way left, all the way right. Like they're, they don't seem to be having those, those cutback passes that we saw from them last year that we saw from LA last year. And then when the dominant tackles, I, like you were just, I think there was, um, I believe it was Vili Halu's try in the 67th minute. It was something like 30 phases, 30 plus phases. But there were times in the lead up to that try where they were back on their 10, on LA's 10 meter line. Like they were, or they were up close to the five meter line. And then LA drove them back to the 10 meter line before they were able to punch it in. So I, I definitely agree with you there that Atlanta needs to do something. And then LA, LA's defense has, has finally stepped up to match, yeah. to keep them yeah. in it. I mean, if, if, if Atlanta just had committed a little more time to pressing in the middle of the field and the pitch, even if it wasn't ultimately successful in those attacks, you know, you force those LA defenders to treat more to the inside, and now it's hard for them to make a dominant tackle because they can't just willy-nilly scramble wide every time they see the ball going you know, through the hands. All right, moving on. Next up, we had New England hosting Utah in another dominant game. I mean, New England was up. Um, they had two tries on the board before Utah had their first, had their first points even because they uh, kicked a penalty kick. Um, final score was thirty-three to seventeen. Um, we had tries for Mitch Wilson, uh, Peter Johnson twice, John Poland and Slade McDowell for New England. Caleb McKenney and Joe Mano on his return um, got tries for Utah. Um, I think this is just a continuation of what we've seen from New England all year. They've they've actually they've come out and shown that they've made those required changes. Scott Matthew has in, introduced a, his regime change and has made the necessary tactical changes I've seen to get them to the next level. What what else did you see out of this one? I really like the confidence New England are playing with now. I mean you know, they came into the season in a tough Eastern Conference where it wasn't clear. I know Johnny Utah, uh, John Cullen on our, I think our first show of the season predicted them as the champion, but that certainly wasn't even close to a unanimous pick. I mean, they were somewhat of a dark horse. And I think, you know, in the first few games they played like that, they were a little bit inconsistent. They, they showed moments of really, really good play, but they also showed weaknesses, lacking, especially in attack, I thought, at first. Um, but as the season's gone on, they've kept winning, and now they've won, what, is it, seven in a row? Uh, uh, I believe it's nine in a row. Yeah, or it's eight in a row. They will go for nine in a row this coming week. Yeah, I I eight in a row is already an MLR record. Um, so, I mean, I, I, now they're playing with the confidence of a team that just set a record winning streak. You know, there's a little more – uh, swagger in their attack, across, out, even outside of Bodine Waka, who I think coming into the year was essentially put the entire attack on his shoulders. So yeah, good to see from them that's making them dangerous. Um, 
Utah's gone the complete opposite direction. I mean, they've seemed to have lost all confidence, uh, and they're playing with that too. You know, can't get out of their own way, fumble away their best chances. It's, you know, winning, say this for like every few weeks, but winning becomes a habit, losing becomes a habit. And we saw two different habits uh, in uh, New England this weekend. Um, and then for those who didn't see it, um, we had Olive Khalifi come on the field as a substitute. Um, he then went off with an injury. Franco Vandenberg had to come on. And then two minutes later, he got knocked out pretty hard. Um, he was put on the backboard, transported to the hospital. The update we did get from Utah, they tweeted out that um, he was he was alert and was had movement as, in his extremities. And he was um, transported to the hospital for further testing. Um, no further updates than that, but it's still a good sign that you know he was still able to move and was alert and responding to to everyone. So, yeah, great news. The the most lopsided game of the weekend, even though they were all pretty lopsided, we had the Legion head to Dallas take on the Jackals. They got revenge out of uh, from week two when the uh, Dallas put a scare in them. I was 53 to 14 was the final score. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven try scores. I believe, um, I'm not sure if Chris Robshaw scored before, but if he, if he hasn't, this was his first try in MLR. So that was, that was great for him. Um, but we had JP Aguirre, the joining Dallas. Um, he scored a try. So that was great. Unfortunately, I believe he went off injured, um, uh, the near the end of the game. And then, uh, Dallas's uh, strength and conditioning coach, Matoko um, Nodejo, um, had one of the tries of the weekend. I believe the Rugby Network put out a TikTok um, and was got posted on the Rugby Union subreddit. So if you have a chance, go over there, check that out. But, I mean, I think we, we just saw a clinic from San Diego. They they finally didn't look like the old man team that we've seen them be for the, for the whole season. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a tough benchmark to judge when they're playing against Dallas to remain winless with now a negative 358-point differential. Um, but, you know, I mean, Seattle did uh, – Seattle, sorry. San Diego did what they had to do. They won their win. We haven't got to the Seattle game yet because they won and Seattle lost. San Diego jumped back in the third place. So if the season ended today, they'd be a playoff team. Um, you know, that's what you gotta do when you play teams at the bottom of the table in your conference. So, you know, they checked that box. Um, Seattle failed to this week. Uh, so, you know, San Diego's sticking around there. They're, I mean, they were close enough to the end of the season that they're probably not going to fade away. They're going to be in this race to the end and we'll see who ends up having more gas in the tank. I, I will say Houston does have a game in hand though. So, and they're only two points behind, so we'll see what yeah. happens there. Um, just looking at the standings real quick. Um, the East, the East is, I believe Toronto's kind of fallen too far behind in my eyes. Um, so New England's first with 47, Rugby ATL's second with 40, Rugby New York is currently third with 37, Toronto's fourth with 30. I mean, if they the results go their way, they can get there, but I just I just don't see it happening right now. And then in the West, we have Austin first with forty seven, L A second with thirty eight, San Diego third with thirty three, 
and then Seattle and Houston both on 31 points. Yeah. So there's a need for that third spot. Um, yeah. And any of those teams can still come away with any, any between San Diego, Seattle, and Houston. All right, moving on, next game of the week, New York versus NOLA. I'm sure this one put a, put a scare into you, Craig, for a minute. Um, I think a lot, a, a couple of people thought after two tries and two minutes from uh, Juan Capiello and Damian Stevens that something was going to happen. We might might see an upset. Kane Thompson might have finally turned it around. But I, I, it seems to me that New York has a tendency to play down to teams. Um especially teams that aren't not Dallas level, but like the next step up kind of team. So, I mean, you had, they were able to pull it away with a last minute try from Fawcett to prevent a losing bonus point for Nola. But I, I felt like they just played complacent and just let the game come to them instead of going and taking it. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. I, especially in the second half, I think they, I think they do get complacent and I've, you know, I've wondered before and and sometimes, you know, I've discussed with some other fans of New York if um I mean is it a coaching issue? Is it a cat you know, is it a captaincy issue? Like obviously I love Nate Breakley. But it does seem like a lot of times New York gets flat, um, you know, they don't stay amped up or they get in, in a bad headspace where they start making lots of errors. Um they don't, they weren't really quite there in this particular one, but they I think they did play complacently, let New Orleans climb back into the game. I mean, the Damien Stevens try was somewhat of a freak thing. I mean, it was great individual effort. Um, hard to other than you know not making some tackles. Hard, hard to say you you know you would have thought he would have ran the ball from his own like five yard you know, five meter line all the way down and square try. It was honestly, it was. I think New York might have been caught a little off guard. At least I certainly was. That it seemed like in the second half, New Orleans decided they were never kicking the ball away. Even when they got it right up against their own try line, they played it out. It seemed like every time, but if not every time, certainly the majority of the time. And it was as if the New York defenders weren't quite ready because they were just assuming a kick was coming, and they kept being caught like a step behind. Like, oh man, he's really going to run this out. Um, so I, I think there were a number of line breaks in that second half where New Orleans got the ball, their own five-meter line, and just ran right through the fence and had a big game. Um, you know, that said, you know what I actually really liked this week from New York is um, I liked Sam Windsor at full at uh, fullback. So uh, Troy Lockyer got hurt early. Uh, seems like a hamstring strain maybe. He came out in the first five, ten minutes. Um and uh, Windsor came in at, at fullback for the rest of the game. And I actually thought he had by far his best game in New York uh, at that position. So I liked uh, you know, Heighton at 10 and Windsor at, fly, at uh, fullback as a potential lineup option, uh, especially if Lockyer's going to be hurt. But I mean, it's not, yeah, I, I, I like Trey Lockyer, but it's not as if I think he's done amazing work that he can't be replaced. So I, I would love to see them give that a look going forward with Windsor. In the lineup at 15. Um, for Nola, honestly, their defense is just very inconsistent. I, I think it, it was, at times, it was very easy for New York to get line breaks. I mean, if you, wa- if you go back and watch that game and just watch where the Nola defense is when New York has a line break, and there are just players all over the place at all different depths. And, you know, when you rush 
when you rush on the defense, especially if you're out wide and not everyone rushes with you, you're creating gaps to exploit by the attackers. And Nola just so inconsistently had like one guy rush up and then another guy was here, a third guy was like playing a, a soft defense and New York was just kicking the ball through. I feel like they were, you know, Nola were making it very easy for New York uh, for, for many periods of this game to score. Um, so, you know, stuff, I guess, for, uh, for Nola to, to work on going forward. Yeah, definitely. And then last game of the weekend was just a slugfest. I mean, it, it was a physical match. I Probably one of the low-scoring matches we've seen. I believe NOLA ATL from earlier this year was probably the low-scoring in MLR history. But I don't – two teams that produce a lot of offense, I don't think either – I don't think anyone saw this one coming. Final score, Austin 17, Seattle 6. I don't – I think we knew Austin had this defense. We've, we've seen their offense come alive, but it is good to see that they can survive these these slow, drawn-out games and are able to hold teams and then take their chances when they do arrive. Yeah. And this was kind of a scrappy one. Um, I actually thought Austin just like seemed to have terrible luck in this one. I, it's a weird thing to say. But felt like every bounce went against them, and they they like had just seemed to have like a real dumb mistake. I think they kicked it out on the full twice in a row at one point. Uh, it was like, come on, guy. I mean, you know, you don't you don't see stuff like that very often at this level. Um, and it's like they'd be playing well, playing well, and then like one stupid thing would happen, and they turn it over, or they'd kick it out. Uh, I feel like Austin should have had a bigger margin of victory here. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, Seattle always plays tough. Um, they had some really good loose forwards out there, and, and locks in Seattle. I think I thought Riker Hatting, as always, had a, had a big game, um, and he makes it tough to play uh, anywhere in the middle of the field. He's, he just roams there, he makes tackles, he carries the ball, he tacks from the back of the scrum well. Um, you know, Seattle set piece, and the set piece kind of seemed to go back and forth a bit, but. Seattle scrum at times seemed to have a bit of an advantage. So, you know, I don't think um, – I think Austin could have ended up with a much bigger margin of victory here um, if they had just cut down a few of the the silly mistakes and had a few – little fewer uh, – a few fewer, some fewer bad bounces. Uh, so, you know, good on them. But, again, I, you know, those mistakes – you can get away with maybe when you play the middle teams in your, in your conference. Uh, but if they want to make a championship run, they're going to have to clean that stuff up. This, I don't think this performance would have won a playoff game. Oh, I, I don't think so either. So uh, let's move into just some, a couple pieces of news. Um, a lot of this coming from America's Rugby News. They do a news roundup every week. So shout out to them. Um, Brian Ray, Paul Tate do a great job. does a great job. Um, if you want some SLA, um, South American rugby coverage, head over there. They cover the SLAR over there. Um, if you're looking for a Spanish rugby podcast, um, En La Mele, our, our sister podcast run by Victor, absolutely great podcast. So check that out if you're interested in that. But moving on to the news, Hanko Hermeshais handed a three-week suspension for elbowing Will Leonard in the face. Um, it I don't want to say it was intentional. It might have been intentional, but 
he, he's got to be better than that. He he does have that reputation a little bit, but he, he needs to control himself better, especially since he's considered, I believe, one of our better domestic players. So, yeah, he yeah, could be a little, you know, this it, obviously you can never really tell something's intentional, but by looks to me, um, it had the the feel of a intentionally cheeky, but wasn't really trying to hurt you type of play. Like yeah. he was trying to go like, oh, I accidentally elbowed you. Like his little nut, yeah, kind of poked oh, you a bit. That was the, old, the old runner runner test. Oh, I didn't see you there. I'm just celebrating elbow. Yeah, like uh, if I'm swinging my fist and you happen to walk into it, that's you know like the Simpsons. Uh, and that was the feel I had. It. So I, I think I have to regain. But you're right. He, he's got to not do that stuff. It's silly, ill discipline especially in a game they're winning. And I know he had just recently, uh, I mean, he had been like a scuffle a few minutes before that. Uh, and I think I'm sure he was a little hot headed from that, but still, I mean, got to control that sort of thing. He's having such a good year. I think I just saw, he was also like named player of April by rugby network, like the April player of the month. <laughs> and then like two, two minutes later, they're like, yeah, and he has a three game suspension for three game suspension for foul play. So uh, yeah, tough, Tough for him. He's having a great year, uh, and LA is really surging. Um, but yeah, he didn't. I don't think he played a big part in this particular win, anyway. And that may have also been part of his frustration. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure that LA will be all right uh, in those three games. I was, I, I was, I was liking the experience Honka was getting and the, the reps he was getting. And I'm sad to see that he's going to miss three games out of a 16-game regular season now because of a stupid play with his former New York teammate, I might add, uh, though he probably didn't even realize who it was yeah. uh, underneath him. Uh, speaking of New York, they have announced another signing. They are bringing in Antonio Kiri-Kiri to uh, replace Paco Haini. He's out for the year with, a le- I believe, a leg injury, if I'm not mistaken. So it's yep. an- another New Zealand signing. Um Where's Nadolo? Do we know where he is? Where he is at? Uh, I believe he's on Cameo. Did you see this? Is uh, you guys have that app Cameo? I think Nadolo has like a you, you can get a cameo from him. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think he'll be. Uh, my understanding is we'll see him next week. Kira um, Kira, another. I mean, we're basically New York's basically bringing in all the all blacks. I've heard next year they're going to rename themselves the. New York All Blacks. New York Kiwis. <laughs> New York Kiwis. Uh, their love was just going to be a, like the Kiwi emoji from the iPhone. Yeah. All right. And then uh, we have a, a short-term loan between Houston and New England. Um, short-term trade, basically. So um, New England was down a bunch of scrum halves. Um, they had to put their um, – at least – they had. They were another team. Had to put their strength and conditioning coach on the bench. They didn't end up having to use him, but so they. Um, New England and Houston. Zachary Short uh, from I believe it's for four weeks. Um, going up to New England and Javon Camp, a young twenty-three year old second row. Um, I believe he was an All American or uh, a, a select at one point. So maybe uh, good to see him get some. Maybe get some time in down in Houston. Um, Speaking of scrum half cover, uh, Riley Donardo and Gordon McRory are no longer with Toronto. They were only brought in for emergency cover because 
I mean, Toronto was just going through scrum halves. I think they lost like three in like two weeks. So they did, they just didn't have anyone. And then um, Kane Thompson signing a two-year extension. Kind of odd to me. Doesn't we'll have to <laughs> You don't think he's earned it, Josh? I mean, he's probably earned at least another year. I don't know, two years. We'll see. Maybe like a year in like a team option or something. I don't know if we can do that with coach contracts. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then this move. one's a new one. Or what, sorry, Craig. What was no, that? go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was going to move on to something else. Move on. All right. This one's a new one to me. No more Joe Peterson situations, in case you didn't know. He made his debut in the playoffs of year one. So yes. going, yeah, going forward, we now have a signing and trade deadline. It is this coming Monday, May 9th. I do not know the specific time. I just know that, or I believe after that, unless we get an emergency waiver from the league, you can no longer trade and you can no longer sign new players. So, yeah, I do. That was Joe Peterson's debut. Is that the first round of the playoffs in year one? Yeah. Uh, they started. You know, it's like he appeared on the team and was starting immediately. Uh, he's had quite a good run out there. You got to say, yeah, but it's yeah. probably good. I mean, that obviously has a bit of a sleazy feel to it, so probably best to do away with those that possibility. I'm sure – if I'm not mistaken, I believe that one actually was a visa issue. Like, you just didn't get it for, like, five months. So – I remember a lot of visa issues season one. I don't remember that, but it could be and it makes sense. Well, I don't – I just think it was, like, it was just never announced. And then all of a sudden he showed up and like, where the hell did this guy come from? And then it was like, oh, it, it, he was in the works. It just We didn't announce it because we didn't know if he was actually going to be able to come or not. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on to picks. First up, we have Old Glory visiting New England Saturday, May 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. So national game of the week. We've seen Old Glory, you know, make a turnaround. Nate Osborne has obviously had a positive effect on the club. New England's just been playing out of this world. They're on an eight-game winning streak. I don't know if Nate is enough for DC. I'm going to go New England by 12. Yeah, I think uh, I do think the Old Glory comeback story is going to take a uh, speed bump this week. Um, New England is playing too well. Games in New England. Yeah, what, what did you say by 12? Yeah, I said 12. That's what I was going to say. All right, I'll say New England by 10. <laughs> okay, the price is right. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Rugby ATL visiting Utah, Saturday, May 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network and KMYU for Utah fans. Who you got, Craig? Should be an easy pick for Atlanta. I, I, I'm always tempted to pick Utah, especially in Utah. Um, you know, you're going up to altitude. I think Atlanta might be able to have their confidence shook a bit after this week against LA. And Utah is, I think, is actually the last team to have beaten LA. Um, but Utah just isn't isn't clicking enough right now for me to pick them against a, a top team. So I'll say rugby ATL by six. I think by I think yeah six to nine would probably be a good good pick. So I'm going to go nine. So we'll be on both ends of that range. Um, yeah, the travel, uh, the altitude. I believe I believe this is one of those matchups that happened last year, if I'm not mistaken, where ATL went to Utah. I 
do not remember, but it was like they, I think they struggled then too. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, next up, we have on Sunday, May eighth. Mother, but all four of these next games are on Mother's Day, so be prepared for a tongue lashing if you watch these games while you're having brunch with your with your mother um, or wife. May 8th, or wife, yeah. Uh, May eighth, twelve p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, TSN, and MSG. Rugby New York visiting Toronto, um, home field. Toronto, did they beat New York or was it close? Do you remember the last they time they beat them? Yeah, they did beat New York earlier this year in in Hoboken. So, yeah, I'm gonna go Toronto by three. Give them that home field advantage. Yeah, Ugh, man, I want to pick New York here. I, honestly, to me, it just depends so much on who New York decides to start. Then they made some really bizarre lineup decisions this year. So, like, this game against New Orleans, they started most of the people I want to see starting. Uh, but then by chance, when Gluski didn't start. So, it's always a little weird. Uh, but if we get a lineup that includes Chance Wengluski, Dylan Fawcett at hooker, uh, Andy Ellis at nine, let's say Heighton at 10 and Windsor at, at 15, um, and Ed Fido is playing so one of the wings, uh, then I say, I'll say New York will win. Uh, I'll, I'll say New York by four. If that doesn't happen, then I don't know. I have to see who they choose to play. And then I'm, I may change my Super Brew uh, pick, depending on the lineup. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next up, we have Austin visiting the Coliseum and the LA Guiltinis on Mother's Day, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network and Valley Sports SoCal. The Gilchrist Cup is happening once again. Uh, may, lo- may be renamed in the future because Austin is in the middle of a sale right now. Um, LA is the hotter team in my eyes. Um, I, I think they've finally come around. Um, probably It'll probably be selection-based again, but I'm going to go LA by five. Yeah. So, through this, the LA are down nine table points, but they have a game, an extra game in hand to play. So, let's just say assume that's a five-point win for them. So they're four points behind Austin, effectively. Yeah, they're yeah. virtually – because they both have pretty easy schedules the rest of the way. Um, so really, I mean, Austin, if L.A. want to win the division, they have to have a bonus point win against Austin and deny Austin any bonus point. I think that's L.A.'s best path. I think if they do that, then they have a very strong chance of winning the division. If they don't, I think it's going to be tough to catch Austin because, they again, they both have pretty easy schedules the rest of the way. Um, so I, I think that that uh, because of that, because I think LA has so much to play for in this one, and Austin is, you know, even if they don't get that, they're, you know, they'll certainly be the number two seed at the very least. Uh, I think I just feel like LA is going to be a little more hungry in this one. And uh, so I'm going to say L.A. as well. I'm, I'm going to say L.A. win by eight. Uh, next up. Same page today, Josh. Same. Yeah. I know we always we always say in the background we, we, we shouldn't do this, but, like, there's just sometimes where you're just like, you just can't. Someone, like, people are going to pick the same. That's it's right. Probably... I think a lot of these picks are controversial, so we'll say. Definitely people will be picking awesome. People will be picking – well, we split on, on – New York and Toronto, I guess. So there we have that one. The, yeah, the, the one, the one game that. So all right. Sorry. next, next up, seven p.m. Eastern, 
Uh, Houston visiting San Diego on the sports deck. Uh, Rugby Network, Fox 5 San Diego, AT&T Sportsnet in Houston on a tape delay. Uh, this one's a coin flip for me. Um, I think we saw, a, again, it was against Dallas, but we saw what San Diego is capable of. Um, Houston's been a great team this year. Um, they are down to got two main guys to suspensions. But, and we had 44 tries for San Diego to 37, giving up 32 to 31. I th- I'm going to take Houston here just because I think they they get they are coming off that bye week, um, and I, so I'm going to go Houston by uh, by five. Yeah, I'm going to take Houston too. Again, I think San Diego's. I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like the oldest team in the league. <laughs> I, I think you know that that's something that wears on you as the season goes on. And Houston are coming off a bye, as you said, so they're going to be completely fresh. Um, they played one fewer game, so you know I think they have a lot of there's a lot of freshness edge in Houston right now, and, and they've had a week, yeah, you know, two weeks to game plan for this. So, yeah, I think Houston are going to. I'm going to say Houston by eight. Yeah, we need we need James Delay on that one. Um, the MLR stats guru compile the average age of each team in Major League Brown DC. See if we if our theory has been correct so far. Last game of the weekend, probably a snooze fest. Probably the East Coast people can avoid it because it is on late. Um, Sunday, May 8th, 10 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, Root Sports in Seattle, TXA 21 in Dallas. Dallas visiting the, the Seawolves. The Seawolves by 25. Yeah. Uh, sure. Well, I'll say Seawolves by 21. All right. <laughs> Just like, I don't think we need to touch on that one much. Um Craig, you want to take us through some Star Wars lore? Or you you want to you want to get get out of here? It's all right. It's all right. We, I won't force you guys this year uh, to to go through some lore. Although, yeah, to the extent you guys have Star Wars discussion topics you'd like to hear about, by all means, send them in. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I am excited for the Kenobi show coming out in a couple weeks. If you haven't seen the trailer, there was a new trailer out today. Um, so good stuff, and uh, yeah, may the fourth be with you. I was like that I was like I saw that trailer that maybe one of the Star Wars shows I actually make time for so but I can't wait for that wise decision wise decision all right well thank you for listening everyone may the fourth be with you you can find us at earful of dirt on Instagram Twitter and Facebook you can find Craig and MM Flyhoff on Twitter you can find myself at Josh Red on Twitter thank you for listening go watch some Brubby and help go watch some Star Wars too while you're at it good night everyone. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.